listening to the Art of Fulfillment podcast. We interview the world's most fulfilled people to share with you the strategies, techniques, and ideas that can help you master your own art of fulfillment. Life isn't about external success. It's all about fulfillment. Or in other words, how you feel about yourself when you are by yourself. What's up, boys and girls? It's Joe Corsione here for another episode of The Art of Fulfillment, and I am super stoked that you're here with me today because we have such an awesome guest. This is one of my favorite conversations, and I'm super stoked to dive in it with you. Um, But before we begin, I want to give you a free gift that's going to help you in 2020 to achieve all that you want to achieve, to stay on track towards your goals, and to start every single day with intention. And that is a free downloadable planner that you can have again totally for free by visiting the website www.conqueringstressclass.com the planner is going to help you to attack your goals from a monthly a weekly and a daily basis and will help you to start your days off uh, with a clear intention so you can go in and crush those goals stay on track and ultimately create the life that you truly desire because that's what we're really going for. If you're listening to this podcast, I know you're someone who wants to do that. And the reason why the website is called Conquering Stress Class is after you get the planner, um, I'm going to give you a very special offer into my new Conquering Stress Masterclass. It's only $37 and you get a bunch of bonuses. But basically what we're going to do is go into the root cause of stress in our minds and we're going to be able to create long-term stress management in our lives, not just an in-the-moment fix. It's going to be long-term, nitty-gritty, help me to conquer my stress, and it's going to allow you to conquer your stress because setting big goals and dreams and going for a fulfilling life can be stressful, but if we can learn how to manage that stress in a sustainable way, my gosh, we can make anything happen. So go to www.conqueringstressclass.com to get your free planner and check out the offer for the actual Conquering Stress class if you so choose to join. All right, now let's get into today's amazing episode. Today's guest is Jordan Syatt. He is a renowned health and fitness coach, the founder of Syatt Fitness, Gary Vaynerchuk's former trainer, and is a five-time world record powerlifter. Jordan is all about giving people the knowledge and confidence to incorporate the best possible training and nutrition regimens into their own lifestyle. And what separates Jordan from other fitness and nutrition coaches is that his approach and advice usually directly contradicts the conventional wisdom you've heard in the industry over the years. And that is why his advice is super effective and has helped hundreds of people gain strength, lose fat, and build the body they've always wanted. Not only is Jordan a wizard when it comes to fitness, he is also incredibly insightful when it comes to discipline, enjoying life, and setting goals, as you will hear in this podcast episode. So please, help me in welcoming the guy who lost fat while eating 30 Big Macs in 30 days to prove that a caloric deficit is all you need to lose fat, Jordan Syatt. Thanks for coming on the show, Jordan. Of course, man. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course, man. And and we were just talking uh, about this before the show. You know, you've had a profound impact on on my fitness experience and journey and uh, allowed me to lose about eight pounds of fat in a month, which I've been trying to do for a long time. And you were able to do it in such a short amount of time, which I think is awesome. But what was really cool to hear you say, you're like, that just makes me so pumped and so happy to hear that from your perspective. And I know that what you're doing is something that fulfills you in life and ultimately gives you a sense of purpose and meaning. So 
Uh, how did you come across this path for what you're doing today and, and helping other people to, you know, get the results that they want in the, in the fitness and, and the, the dieting world? Yeah. So, I mean, I basically just got started when I was, cause I was a wrestler from the time I was eight years old. So I started wrestling when I was eight and then I, I made varsity as a freshman in high school. And so I had to cut from 112 pounds to 103 pounds. And that's when I was like, I had no idea what I was doing. I did not know how to cut weight. I didn't know. I didn't know any of that. And not to mention, I also had to get stronger because as a freshman, 13, 14 year old kid going up against like 17, 18 year old kids, I was significantly weaker than them. Technically I was good. Endurance wise, I was good. But from a strength perspective, I didn't have it. So I was like, from a very young age, I had to figure out, well, how do I lose fat and get stronger at the same time? And I ended up uh, getting an internship at a gym in a town, a couple towns over from me. And, uh, and it was fortunately an, an incredible experience because they were very science-based. They really thrust me into a very science-based fitness community from the time I was a young teenager. So I didn't really screw around with a lot of nonsense early on. I, I really got put into a really great science-based world. And and that's how I got started with it. And I interned there all through high school. And then I, I knew that I wanted to be a coach. And so when I grabbed, when I was in college and I was competitively powerlifting, I just started writing a lot about what I was doing online, either making YouTube videos or making articles on my website. Um, not because I was trying to start a business, like an, uh, it was in 2011. So online coaching wasn't really even a thing. It was mainly just I was a very high level competitive power lifter and I wanted to show people what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And so I was just doing that online, writing articles, whatever. And, and people started to reach out and ask me for help and ask me for coaching. And, and then over time, just by the, like through, through making articles and writing on Facebook. And then when Instagram came out, making an Instagram, it mainly just sort of happened through osmosis, just like by doing what I was doing and, and continuing to post content, it, it ended up coming out that I, it became what my, my job is like more online coaching just by, doing that and helping more people. Right, right. Wow, that's really cool. And that's that's awesome how you just basically just started just sharing your journey and your experience and your process and your thoughts. And like you said, it just osmosis, it just kind of just came all together into what it's developed to today, which is a really impressive following and and a, a audience that you have that are really devoted to, you know, your knowledge and your content and everything that you're putting out. So it really goes to show like what you're putting out is really valuable and useful. Um, and, and, the, and the world looks like it really needs it at this point. Now, I'm curious, so like when you were sharing these things, was it something that, you know, you just, you felt like maybe an obligation to share or like, did you have like a motive to help people? What was kind of like the, the motive behind sharing your process? Well, so I, when I, when I first started interning at that gym, when I was in high school, I knew I wanted to coach very early on. Uh, my first client, his name was Fred, 68 years old. And his main goal was just to be able to pick up his grandkid without, hurting his rotator cuff or his back because he had serious shoulder problems and back problems. And as like a 14 year old kid, my perspective was basically, okay, people only work out to look good naked and to perform better. So like I was <laughs> literally working out because I wanted to have a six pack and be better at wrestling. And, and to see that as a whole different perspective, it was life changing for me. And I remember wanting to learn more about coaching and, and fitness to be better for Fred. And that was like a really a big driver for me being like, I want to learn more about coaching so that I can better help Fred. And that's like really what got me addicted to, to coaching is being better to help other people. And, um, and so that's sort of what got me into it. And then from there, 
like I I remember I interned at at this gym called uh, Cressy Performance in Boston, and I don't know if you know Eric Cressy. He's he's an incredible incredible coach, world class. Uh, he has a couple facilities, one in Boston, one in Jupiter, Florida, and um, he coaches at least one member of the at least one major league baseball player from every organization. Uh, oh, he's like an absolutely incredible incredible coach, and I remember he had a really, really large online presence when I was interning there when I was about 21 years old. And he was, he had like hundreds of thousands of followers on Facebook. He had a huge email list. And I remember just being like, this guy with a single post can help hundreds of thousands of people. And I was like, this is crazy. I was like, that is an unbelievable amount of power that you can have. And, and it really from a very early age showed me like it didn't, I didn't, take it from a business perspective. I didn't think, wow, he can make so much money. I was like, wow, like he could literally spend 30 minutes, write one post that could legitimately change thousands and thousands of people's lives. And I was like, that's what I want to do. So I, I started posting online with a main purpose of being able to reach and help more people. But I think the difference between what I was doing and what a lot of people do now is a lot of people post online now with the sole purpose of trying to make more money and get more clients. And, and that's why they're posting. And when the goal switches from trying to help more people to try and make more money, a lot of times we end up being less patient with the process and we think it's not working when we're not, not making money. And I think that's why I, why I stuck with it because my goal wasn't to try and cash in. My goal was to really just help more people. Yeah. And I think that's so beautiful. And I definitely respect you a hundred percent for taking that approach. Cause I agree. I think a lot of the, the influencer kind of culture around today's Instagram environment is what you just said, where people are trying to post with the sole fact of making money and, and getting in like a stream of income in from their followers. But I think it's so beautiful when you're able to go out and, and see it as something of contribution as opposed to simply, you know, a transaction, which I think is so cool. And I think it's so important. And that's kind of like a key tenant of this show is, is all about contribution, and everything like that. And so um, along your journey, like, did you have like kind of relating to the contribution thing? Did you have any times when it was like really difficult and, and really hard? And like, did you kind of use that, um, that, that, contribution oriented mindset to keep you going during those times? Or was it something else that kind of kept you going like during the difficulties that you may have faced on your journeys? You know, it's really interesting. There was never really an option to not keep going. Like, mm. I think it, it's, a, it's a great question. I don't know if anyone's ever asked me that question. In, in my mind, there was never an option to stop. Like there wasn't like, okay, well, if I don't do this, then I could just go do something else. It was like, I kept going and kept doing it because like I loved it and mm -hmm. because like that's all I wanted to do. And like, that was literally it, man. Like there, there was no other fallback option. And, and I was at a point in my life in which I was very lucky. And I was like, I was, I mean, I was in college. So I, I started posting online content when I was in my dorm room and I was working two other jobs while going to school full time. So like for me, I was just doing it at every opportunity that I could and it wasn't in my mind like this is do or die like I have to get X number of followers or I have to do this it was literally just like I love doing this I want to do this I see the power that other people have when they do do this it's like this is it like and that that was literally that there was no other option so and I wasn't in a rush either I think this is a really uh, I think it's something that I was very lucky to have like 
when I didn't know that I could start a business, I think it wasn't out of, out of any, any, like any, any great characteristic or quality of me. It was mainly out of ignorance. Like I didn't know that PayPal existed. I didn't know that not online coaching business was possible. So I wasn't going into it being like, all right, I'm trying to make money. I was going into it being like, all right, I just want to try and help people mainly because I didn't know that a business was possible. I, I am very confident in saying that if I knew that a business was possible from it, I probably would have failed because I would have stopped earlier on because I would have thought that it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. But because I didn't know that and because I was literally just doing it from the, like the, the very blind and ignorant view of like that stuff doesn't exist, I was able to keep going because if I got one more like, or if someone commented like this was helpful, or if someone DM me, or whatever, if it's just that one thing every couple of weeks that let me know someone was watching, that was letting me know that I was doing it right. Mm, yeah, wow, that's so cool. And it, it's great. It's, it's sometimes ignorance can be bliss, especially in that moment or that, that scenario, like you said, because it just kind of kept you going and, and it just kept you in the game and, and it kept you uh, with a good North Star in mind. Like, because I agree 100% again, like if you're just shooting for the money, you're going to give up because it's, it's not necessarily an instant gratification thing where, um, and, and where you're going to get money just instantly by posting on that stuff. But, you know, if you help one or two or three people like along the way, like that can keep you going. And, and it, when it's not about the money, you're, you're, more able to kind of keep that consistency day after day. It's the same thing with this podcast, man. Like I, I feel, I feel the, the same kind of no option mentality for me because like, I, I know that there's people depending on not depending, but they, they listen to this podcast and I've gotten messages too, like saying like, Hey, like this has helped me out so much. And like, I don't, I don't make a single dollar off this thing, but I just keep going because I, I know that it's helping people. And so I can totally resonate with how you're feeling in that scenario. Um, my kind of question too, is like along that journey, I'm sure you had to be consistent in, in, you know, how, how you're posting and, and the content that you're putting out and everything like that. And I know that consistency is also a huge thing with, with dieting and exercise and everything like that. And the question that I get, and I'm sure the question that you get too, is how do I stay consistent with, you know, not just my diet or my exercise, but with, you know, anything or any habits, you know, I want to implement in my life that's going to get me a certain result. So, so what is your kind of perspective on consistency and how can people learn to be more consistent in whatever they're trying to do? I, that's a great question. That's a, and that's like the, that's the million dollar question, the billion dollar <laughs> question, right? It's like, how do I stay consistent? Um, I mean, there are so many factors to this and, and so much of it is individual, but I think, um, one of the main reasons, if we're looking at diet and exercise, for example, or like just breaking it down to that, if we're looking at diet, or even even starting a business. I think one of the main reasons people don't stay consistent from the beginning is because they have very unrealistic expectations of progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have an unrealistic expectation of the rate of progress that they should be making. And when they're not making the rate of progress that they've just decided they should be making, they then think it's not working. I mean, I see this all the time with people who are like, I've, I've only lost eight pounds in the last four weeks. And, and they're like, I'm getting really discouraged. And I'm like, well, what the fuck are you getting discouraged about? They're like, I've only lost eight pounds in four weeks. And I'm like, why is that bad? And they're like, uh, well, Brenda at my office lost 16 pounds in four weeks. And I'm like, why the fuck does what Brenda does impact you? Why does that mean that losing eight pounds in four weeks is bad? And they're like, well, why aren't I losing it as quickly as her? It's like, 
Why the fuck are you focusing on her? Mm -hmm. Why are you letting her progress dictate your progress? Why are you letting her frustrate you? It's com two completely separate things. Not to mention, it's like, why don't you wait another four weeks and see if she gains it all back? Like, mm -hmm. like what the fuck are you doing? Why are you, number one, comparing your progress to someone else? And number two, where the fuck did you get this idea that eight pounds in, in four weeks is bad? Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's there. That's like two different problems in one scenario, right? Where you have the comparison to other people, which is like, then that comparison allows you to believe that you're not doing well enough. And then also the literally just making shit up. Like, well, I've only lost eight pounds in two weeks, in four weeks. It's like, where the fuck did you see that that was bad? Mm -hmm. And then like, literally one of the things I'll ask them, I'll be like, what's a great amount of weight loss to lose on average per week? And they'll be like, I don't know, like one pound a week. I'm like, okay, so one pound a week. You said you've lost eight pounds in four weeks. You've lost an average of two pounds a week. What the fuck is wrong with you? And they're like, <laughs> then from there, they'll always smile and laugh. Like, yeah, I know. But I'm like, no buts. Shut the fuck up. Like mm -hmm. this, like this is where people, they allow themselves to quit. They allow themselves to be inconsistent. They use nonsensical shit like this to justify quitting. When in reality, if they just broke it down logically, they'd be like, this is actually phenomenal progress. Why am I being an asshole to myself? It's mm -hmm. like most people are inconsistent because they allow their emotions to dictate their actions. And then they end up allowing something like only losing four, only losing eight pounds in two, in four weeks to make them believe that it's not good when it really it's beyond phenomenal it's like mm -hmm. if you really want to judge your progress judge it based on science not based on emotion right right yeah no i think that's totally awesome and i think that's what the benefit of having a coach is because at least in, in my life too like i've seen like there's been times where i let my emotions kind of skew me away from what i want to do or the result i'm trying to get and like a coach will come in and just be like hey no you're not thinking about this logically like here is you know what the logic is behind it. So get right back on track and so on and so forth. And I think that's such like a, a valuable aspect of it. Um, do you think that, that that's a skill that people need to develop or, or do you think that is something that, you know, is, is kind of natural in people or something that, you know, you need to have a coach for like in order to, to look at things logically. I think like everything, there's a natural and innate component to it. Like some people are naturally and innately better at it than others, but I also mm -hmm. know for a fact, it's a skill. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen people who had zero, I think a lot of it comes from being aware and being consciously aware of yourself and your emotions, how you're responding to your emotions. I think your environment is a huge part of it. If people in your environment are, are just going, going crazy and acting on their emotions and you look at that and you think that's normal, then that's what you'll do. If people in your environment are like settling down and like a lot like talking to themselves and like outline, outlining everything that's going on objectively analyzing the data being like wow i was feeling this way but really when you break it down it happens this way when you see other people doing it then you realize okay cool so like that person didn't just freak out on like on an on an instant like they took took time to break down their emotion why they had it and how they can resolve it and i think that the more people you the more you see that as the norm and the more you realize that within yourself the more you can develop that skill Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. And I love how you touched on the self-awareness part and being conscious about the things. Because once you start to be conscious that like, you know, your, your emotions are getting all riled up and you're using that as kind of like your primary mode of thinking in the moment, whatever they may be, I think it's a, it's a moment where you're able to kind of bridge that gap between stimulus and response and be in there and kind of give yourself a choice and be like, wait, 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 wait a second. Like I can, I have a choice here. I can look at this thing and not just kind of take it as the face value of my emotions. And so I think that's so 
crucial that you pointed that out. And I totally agree with it. And one thing to kind of go along, you know, the, the whole thing about, um, to, to your, to your point in the last question, when you were saying people comparing it with other people, um, in terms of their results, like saying that person lost 19 pounds in the same amount of time that I lost eight. Um, one thing that I see in the world of, of that realm is like, you might have a difference between the process in terms of enjoyment. Like that person might've enjoyed the process more like losing eight pounds. Um, whereas like the person who lost 19 pounds, like might've been miserable. And I love how you say like, if that's the case, like in terms of having a process that's, you know, miserable or going to make you really, really unhappy, like it's not long-term sustainable. And I love that's, that that's one of the things that you talk about and stress about, you know, whatever goal that you're trying to accomplish. So how can we learn how to, you know, make the process of uh, achieving something, whether it's, you know, again, fitness or weight loss in the, in the realm of your things, but how can we learn how to make processes more enjoyable so we're not so miserable that it doesn't become uh, something that's long-term sustainable? I mean, you're asking wonderful questions. These are, these are all the billion dollar question. Right? <laughs> it's like, and I think one of the first things that you have to understand if you really want to if you really want to be realistic with it and you don't want to come down too hard on yourself, you have to understand from the very beginning that part of fat loss, part of weight loss is being uncomfortable mm -hmm. and it's not all fun and you're not going to be super energetic all the time and you're not going to be feeling your best all the time and you're going to be hungry sometimes and you're you're going to be tired sometimes you're going to be cranky sometimes and number 1 that's life right like that's just living life that's just being a human in our world like it's funny as soon as someone goes on a diet all of a sudden they're like oh my mood it just sucks it's like everything <laughs> is ruined it's like and they blame it on the diet all of a sudden it's like well hold on like what about work? What about family? What about your friends? What about like the injury that you got? Like there's so many things going on outside of our nutrition. It's so easy to pin one negative emotion or one bad workout or one bad whatever on the diet. So number one is just being very realistic and saying like, Hey, just so you know, like sometimes this sucks and that's okay. I think people really run into issues when they're sold on this idea of ease. Mm -hmm. They're sold on this idea of, Oh yeah, losing fat. You're never going to be hungry. You're going to have more energy than ever. You're going to eat as much of, as much as you want of literally whatever you want. And it's just going to be a breeze and it'll be fine. And then when all of a sudden it's not like that, then they're like, well, I'm a failure. This sucks. This isn't working. I'm not working. It must not be, it must not be the diet. It's got to be me. When in reality, it's like, well, no, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily the diet and it's not necessarily you. It's a combination of the two. And also you're completely and utterly unrealistic expectations of what's actually going to happen. And I think by telling people the truth that like sometimes it sucks and that's okay is one of the most important things you can do to set them up, set, set them up for long-term success because the first time it sucks, they're not just going to quit because they know that it's supposed to happen. Uh, so, I mean, that's number one. And then number two, I would say one of the, other really, really important ways to enjoy the process is stop judging your progress based off of something that you have zero control over. Ooh, um, I like that. And for example, that could be your scale weight, for example. Most people, when they judge their progress based on their scale weight, they're judging it based on a day-to-day -day or maybe occasionally if the person is very, very good week to week. And even that, it's not good. Ideally, I'd like to someone to look at their scale of progress month to month. 
But when you're judging your scale of progress day to day and you're looking at it jump up and jump down and go left and go light and or right and diagonal and up and whatever, you have zero control over those daily fluctuations. Zero control. You could literally fast for 24 hours and wake up heavier the following day for any number of reasons. And when you judge your progress based off of a, of a completely unstable foundation of which it's your weight, then you allow yourself to be subject to massive amounts of insecurity and massive amounts of uncertainty when you feel like you're not make, making progress simply based on your weight. When in reality, if you were basing your progress off of something that was in your control, you'd be much more stable and much more secure and, and you'd be much more enjoying, you'd be enjoying the process significantly more. And one of the easiest ways to do that is by tracking your consistency as opposed to tracking your weight. Now, and when I say that, it sounds like, well, don't track your weight. I do think tracking your weight is important, but only if you're actually going to measure it month to month, June mm -hmm. 1st to July 1st, July 1st to August 1st, June 2nd to July 2nd, July 2nd to August 2nd, so on and so forth. But when, you, when you're using your consistency as your barometer of success, and you're looking at, okay, like when you look at your month and you were consistent throughout the month, 87% of the time, then you can say, you know what? Like, I'm pretty happy with that. But if you look back on your month and you were only consistent 68% of the time, it's like, okay, like you don't deserve to be unhappy with your progress. You don't deserve to not really enjoy the process yet because you haven't even done the process consistently enough to <laughs> not enjoy it. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. I, I, I love that whole concept because it, it's kind of like the, the, the day old, the dodge. It's like, why worry about something that's out of your control? Because worrying is not going to change the outcome as much, right? But if it's in your control, then, you know, you have some power to it and you can uh, celebrate that because it's like, hey, you're doing that and you're going out and doing that. If you're not, then it's all on you. It's not like on the world or anything like that. And I think you're right. It does allow you to enjoy the process more because you take that pressure of not feeling like a victim you know, based on something that you can't control, like the day-to-day -day weight fluctuations, that's, that's pretty fascinating. And to kind of go back to that, that first point where you said where it's like life is just going to suck, weight loss is going to suck, there's going to have times where it is really hard, like I totally 100% agree with that. Like I think looking at something as like a, you know, pure marshmallow and butterfly and rainbow scenario is totally ignorant. Um, but, but when you, like people are hitting, you know, those difficult points in there, I totally agree that like just knowing that those things are coming are helpful because, you know, I believe that if you can predict something or if you expect something like it, it shouldn't really bother you because you know how to prepare for it. But how do you like have any tips that you kind of give to whether it's people you're coaching or people who ask you like how to kind of deal with, um, you know, the difficulties when they come up, like any things that could help to build resiliency or coping. I don't know if I want to say coping is the right word, but something to help people become more resilient when those tough things come, whether it's a hunger pang or whether it's, you know, tiredness, anything like that. Like what are, what are kind of like your keys for resiliency? Yeah, man, I'm super impressed. With, with the questions because I do a lot of podcasts and very few people ask really great questions and these are tremendous questions. Oh, thank um, you. Appreciate it. One of the things that I've started doing more recently in terms of building resiliency is, and, and in addition to building resiliency, also I think one thing that we have to realize is most people, they know what they want to do and they know why they want to do it but they're still not making the choices that they actually want to make. And I think that's one of the biggest 
degrees of cognitive dissonance. And it's one of the biggest reasons people are ashamed of themselves when they're not doing what they know they should be doing. And it leads to a lot of shame and guilt and anger and upset and anxiety. And, and this is one of the things that people really struggle with. It's like, I know I want to go to the gym. I know I want to work out. I know I want to eat better, but I'm still not doing the shit that I say I want to do and that I know I want to do. Why am I not doing it? And it creates a lot of angst and, and a, lot, a lot of just negative emotions. So I think that's something that first and foremost, we have to really understand. Um, second, from there, I think one lesson that I've used that's with great, great success and sort of piggybacking off of that is a lot of people, they allow what they're feeling in the moment to dictate what they actually do, right? So if someone is in the moment, they're like, I know I want to lose weight. I know I want to eat better. I know I want to exercise. But in the moment, they're in bed, they're really comfy. They're like, I don't want to get out of bed to go to the gym. Or they're in, in the middle, like they're, they're walking by a pizza place. They smell the pizza come in and they're like, they really want to get, get, get a whole pizza, whatever it is. In that moment, they let that emotion dictate their action so they don't go to the gym and they go in and buy the whole pizza rather than doing what they know they want to do. And then they don't even enjoy it. Like as soon as they wake up from sleeping again, they're, they're completely ashamed that they didn't get up and go to the gym. As soon as they bite into the pizza, they're ashamed that they didn't like have more self-control. They can't even really enjoy it. And so one of the things that we talk about a lot in society and culture and a lot of things that people discuss is this idea of living in the moment Mm -hmm. and like you're supposed to just live in the moment, live in the moment, live in the moment, live in the present moment. And I think that in some aspects, it's a great suggestion, but I also think it's a really good idea to focus on what decision is going to make you the most proud in the future. Mm-hmm. And I think that this thinking about what decision will make you the most proud in the future, it doesn't prevent you from living in the moment. It allows you to make the decision in the moment that will allow you to be happier and more proud of yourself also in that moment. And I think sometimes we only focus so much on what we want right now, right now, right now, right now, that we neglect what will make us healthier and happier and more proud in a couple of minutes. And literally just thinking about what decision will make me more proud when I'm at home later today, lying in bed before I go to bed, that will allow you to make the decision in the moment that is actually best for you. Yeah. Wow. I really love that. I love that so much because we have a lot of guests on this show who are all about, you know, living in the present moment and all that stuff. But I totally agree with you a hundred percent in that, you know, you can't always live totally in the moment because you've got to have some sort of, um, if you're trying to, you know, lose weight or trying to, you know, build muscle, whatever your goal is in life, build a business, whatever it is. If you have that kind of goal, you got to be able to remove yourself from what you're currently feeling in the moment to say like, what are the decisions that I need to make in order to get to where I want to go in life. And I think that's such a powerful, powerful concept. And I love how it's all about, you know, kind of knowing the direction of where you want to go. And I'm not sure if like you see this, like maybe in your clients or maybe just people who maybe ask you these things, but at least for, for my perspective and people coming to me, they're, they're always asking and saying like, Hey, like, I get it. Like, I know I got to go somewhere, but I'm not even sure like what I want. And I don't know if you kind of get that with your clients too, but how can like people get really clear on what they truly want in their life? And not just like, I want to lose weight or I want to, you know, gain muscle or whatever. Cause I think those are very broad, but like how, 
like, or if you, if you do this, like with your clients, like how do you help people to get, you know, really specific and clear on what they actually want as opposed to just this, you know, broad statement that's going to leave them a little more aimless than if they were like, you know, crystal clear on what they exactly wanted. I, I think it's a good question. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to clarify, like, give me an example of like, what's not of, of a goal someone might have that's not like crystal clear. Yeah. Like for example, like I want to lose weight. Like if someone says like, I want to lose weight, it's like, okay, great. Like, do you want to lose one pound, two pound, five pounds, 10 pounds? Um, and they're like, well, like, I don't even know. And, and like, it's like, okay, well, like, and then where do you kind of take it from there? If they say that to you, you know what I mean? Like if they don't know like what the specific number is, cause like if they say that they want to lose weight, at least my personal belief. And if you, if you disagree, like feel free to jump in too. Um, but like, I think like if you say like, I want to lose weight or I want more money or something like that, it's just not specific and you don't know like the barometer of success or progress that you're currently on, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I very much agree with you on that. And I think, you know, it's interesting in the same way that I think a lot of like living in the present moment is a very cliche thing that a lot of people say because they think it'll get a lot of likes. I also think that what is your why? Like, tell me your why. What's your deeper <laughs> why? It's one of those things that a lot of people say when they don't know what to post on social media. So like, you just need to know your why. I'm like, <laughs> all right, I really don't think that we need to have a fucking deep why here. And it needs to be very deep and passionate and understanding spiritually. I don't think, like, I don't think it's bad to have one, but I don't think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. I think what's more necessary than a deeper why is, is more what and specifically what do you want? Because when you have the what and you have the specifics of the what, then you have a much more clear idea of if you're actually making the progress that you need. Now, this isn't to discount the why. It's not to say the why isn't important. But I do think that when people are so focused on the why, they often do discount the what and the specifics of the what. And that's when they feel like they're not making progress quickly enough or rapidly enough or enough enough because they don't have a specific what to then say, okay, well, this is the what. And then now from here, how do we gauge what actual realistic good progress is? And so once you have the legitimate what of what they want, then you can say, okay, so this is exactly what you want to achieve. You want to, you want to achieve like weight loss. Cool. So how much weight do you want to lose? Well, I don't know how much weight I want to lose. It's like, cool. All right, well, let's talk more about that. Like what specifically, like, do you want to look good naked? Do you want to lose like X Do you want to like look better at an event? Like what specifically do you want to do? And usually people, it usually comes down to, well, I just want to be more confident with how I look and, and that's fine. But for me, a lot of it comes from education, right? Mm-hmm. And, and one of the big things that, that, that I've done recently, probably in the last year or so, is I've, talking, I've spoken, talking, Jesus Christ, I've spoken a lot about goal weight. Um, and, and this is one of the things that has almost become taboo recently is having a goal weight as though it's like it's a really bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, people are like, well, what if, what if I, I don't care about the scale because the scale doesn't define me? And I'm like, this, of course the scale doesn't fucking define you. But like, we need to have a goal to, to, to strive for in order to know if we're actually making progress, to know if we're making progress quickly enough, if we know if we're not making progress quickly enough, to know like how, how you're doing like on, on a rate of progress, on, a, on how you're doing in general. And like, because the reality is, if you don't have a goal to achieve for, to strive for, then how in the fuck are you supposed to measure your progress? Like you don't mm-hmm. know. It's one of the reasons that I love, um, like I more recently got into Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I suck at jiu-jitsu. I'm awful. I get tapped out all the fucking time. I get choked out. Like I'm awful. 
But one of the things I realized by going in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu community is there are some people who hate the belt system and there are other people who love the belt system. Mm. And it's one of the things in Jiu-Jitsu where, where the I tend to really, and I'm a white belt, so like I'm a complete beginner, but I really, as a coach, admire the belt system because it gives me and everybody something to strive for. They, whether they want a black belt or they want a brown belt or they want a purple belt, whatever it is, like you have a goal to strive for. You can get another stripe on your belt that will lead to the next one. It's, it's like when you, you, you know exactly where you are. Like I know right now I'm a white belt one stripe and my next goal is a white belt two stripe. And I had the longer term goal of a black belt. I don't know if I'll ever get there, but that I know exactly where I am on that, on that path. And mm-hmm. I know exactly what I have to do to get to the next stripe. And so and going back to like this goal weight idea, just because you have a goal weight doesn't mean that you haven't, you haven't done remarkable things or you might not even have achieved your goal if you didn't get to that weight. That's not the point. You can achieve your goal without ever getting to that goal weight. The point is just have something to strive for, something to, something to, to, to go after every day, a reason to wake up. And like some people are like, well, that's your why. It's like, okay, that's fine. But equally important as the why is also the specifics of what do you want to achieve a black belt? Do you want to achieve, like, do you want to become an instructor? Do you just want to, maybe you don't want to have to get your black belt. Maybe you want to be able to beat a black belt, right? It's like, maybe there's a specific person that you want to beat. And like, that's your specific what that's exactly the goal that you want to have. And I think by really identifying exactly what you want to achieve, you give yourself a much greater opportunity to stay on track when the going gets tough and to enjoy the process and to then keep going and give you a reason to get out of bed, which is not even necessarily the why as much as it is, well, this is what I want to achieve and I'm going to get it. Yeah, I love that. And I love how you like wrap that all into, you know, what we've been talking about in this podcast is like, it it helps you to enjoy the process more. It helps you to stay on track, all those things. I think that's so cool. And it's, it's, yeah, I mean, I I agree with you a thousand percent when, when you said that, when you know where you're at, like you, you know what you, you have to do and you know like where you can go and you can identify the current place that you're in relative to where you want to go and just knowing where that is can help you to tailor your path and your journey and what exactly you need to do to get there because that's going to you know, lead to, you again, more enjoyment in the process and ultimately you having a better chance of getting what you really want. I think that's so, so cool. Um, and then to kind of like, like, tangent off that a little bit but still in related to in some sense is like you know being on the path to somewhere and knowing where you're at um inevitably and like you know i think this is i think no one's perfect um especially me um there are times like when you know you have like a certain goal or something and you know every once in a while you might get off track and the problem that i see a lot with with people and i'm sure that you know you've you've seen this i think you post this a lot about this too is that like people will go into this like self-shaming kind of loop and they just kind of be like oh man like i fucking suck like you mentioned it before earlier in the podcast people be like oh i fucking suck i'm not as good like what the fuck like i didn't control that stuff how can someone learn how to get back on track um you know I shouldn't maybe say as quick as possible, but, you know, obviously, yeah, as quick as possible, let's put it that way, you know, without having to enter this, you know, super negative mental down trap that's going to, you know, say, ah, fuck it, like, I'm just going to give up or something like that. Like, how do we learn how to get right back on track when we misstep or, you know, make a bad move or something? Because I, I believe those things are inevitable because humans are, you know, not perfect. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting when you were taught you were, you were like trying to decide should it be back on track as quickly as possible or just back on track. And it's an interesting discussion, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the reason that people don't get back on track at all, but also very quickly, is because they feel like they they fucked up. They feel like mm-hmm. they screwed up. They feel like they made a mistake. And like, well, what's the point? I already screwed up. Number one, and I mean, I have like videos of me in like 2012 saying saying this, where it's like basically to the effect of you can't fuck up. And whenever I say that, people are always like, "Well, no, 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 like you don't know, like I can." And they they almost laugh, like you haven't seen me eat on the weekend. <laughs> I'm like, I well, trust me, there's literally nothing you could say that that would surprise me based on everything that I've seen as a coach. But what I always say is like, you really think you fucked up so bad over the weekend that like you that it's not worth it to get back on track i'm like do you realize there are people who haven't worked out a day in their life there are people who are hundreds and hundreds of pounds overweight there are people who are or near death and then they decide one day in one moment fuck this i'm changing and they Mm -hmm. start going to the gym and they start working out and they start eating better and they change their entire life and they become a beacon of health years later that like you think that because you overate one fucking weekend that you should just give up? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Why in the fuck would you allow that? To, would you use that as a justification for going off track completely? Like, are you that self-centered and conceited to actually believe that what you did one weekend undid years or weeks or months or whatever it is of progress? Like, you're out of your fucking mind. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, it's not that they're self-centered or conceited. It's not any of that. It's that they're completely and utterly unable to look at what they're doing from an objective point of view. And it's all emotion based. Cause I know for a fact that if their friend came to them and said, I went off track this weekend, like I ate a, a fucking house, they would never say like, you know what? Like you should just quit. But when it comes to themselves, they're very easy to say that. And the, and that's how I know they're doing it from an emotion perspective, as opposed to a logical perspective, which is why they really need to number one, understand they can't fuck this up like at all, because literally you could never do anything your entire life, be very unhealthy, massively overweight, never work out. And you decide to get back on track. You decide to start for the first time ever. Boom. That's amazing. So you think you going off track for a weekend is not an excuse. That's a justification. And then from there, I would say like knowing that they can't fuck up and then start treating themselves like they would treat a best friend. Start treating themselves like someone that Mm. they actually care about. Start treating themselves like someone that that they want people to admire. Start treating themselves like someone that they actually care about succeeding and being healthy. And when they start treating themselves like that person, then all of a sudden they stop using that as an excuse to stay off track. Right, right. Wow. I love that concept of treating yourself like you treat your other friends because like, you're right, like you wouldn't be like that much of a, you know, a dick to your friends, but you'd probably be that much of a dick to yourself. I mean, I speaking from personal experience, I think I'm, you know, biggest dick to myself as opposed to, you know, the way I treat other people. It's, it's, it's definitely something that, you know, if you can put into perspective, again, going back to um, looking at the objective situations where, or the objectiveness of a situation and, and seeing like, hey, like, am I looking at this logic? like you know one day is not going to totally blow away months of like progress that i've made like that's just the reality of it and i shouldn't beat myself up over that like all of that power and all of that um logic essentially gets rid of all that emotional kind of angst that comes with it and you can be able to just get right back on track i absolutely love that answer and so you know we're coming to the tail end of the podcast but you know i want to uh kind of just 
hear your perspectives on this a little bit because obviously this is the world that you're in too. Um, but I think it also applies to, you know, not just fitness and, and nutrition. And for those listening too, like I, you know, if, if fitness and nutrition is your goal, like this is definitely a guy that you want to like explore and dive into and listen to that too. But also too, like if, you know, you can also take these principles and put it into real life or whatever you're going for, whether it's a business or, you know, you're trying to get a job or anything like that. Like these are principles that can help you to achieve your goals in whatever sense. And one thing that I can really say from personal experience, and I'm sure that you agree because you're obviously doing it is um, having a coach on your side, um, not just for fitness or health or anything like that, but just having someone who can be like a coach or a mentor that can help you to achieve those goals. So what, what is the importance of having a coach um, to achieving your goals? Because I think a lot of people nowadays are kind of thinking like, Hey, like, you know, I'm independent. I can do it by myself, but I've found through personal experience that you can jettison your progress so much more. So from, from your perspective, why do you think a coach is so helpful when you're trying to achieve something in your life? Yeah, I think, I think a coach does a number of things. A, a good coach is going to number one, keep you accountable. Mm-hmm. But, and I think that's probably the greatest benefit of a coach. Um, in the same way that like when, when someone who's trying to overcome alcoholism has a sponsor, it's the same thing. Mm. It, it, it acts as accountability, as someone that you can always turn to when you're having those moments of emotion in which you want to quit, in which you want to backtrack, in which you, you are emotionally about to do something that you won't be proud of later on. You have someone to hold you accountable. And it, that's probably the greatest benefit of all. Because another way to think about, about accountability is it's another person to help you stay consistent. That's really all it is. And you could follow a pretty shitty program consistently and make tremendous progress simply mm-hmm. because you're doing it consistently. And that's really the most important part. So I think accountability and consistency go hand in hand, and that's really the most important aspect of it. The other part of it is is someone to give you what you need when you need it, which I think a lot of time is is encouragement. When you need encouragement, you need someone to pick you up. And I think also tough love and yeah. to, to give, the shit, give you the shit that you need when you need it as well. I think a lot of times when you're only going to your friends or your family, they'll coddle you, they'll pander to you. Like, oh, you're doing great. Oh, come on. You can do this. <laughs> it's like when in reality, you might need like, hey, shut the fuck up. Keep going. Right. And like that's a, a coach is there not to be necessarily a friend but to be someone who will push you to be your best even when you might not think you can be your best and i think it's an important distinction to make and i think sometimes our friends will want to make us feel good when a coach will a good coach will not necessarily make you feel good for the sake of feeling good but will help you do the things on your own that will allow you to be to be proud of yourself and feel good because you did them not because you necessarily wanted to do them i think that's really what a good coach is going to help you do yeah wow i love that tough love piece i think that that part is so valuable because you know we can like your your friends aren't going to totally like it kind of goes back to your point your friends aren't always going to be like hey man like shut the fuck up and keep going or something like that they're going to be like oh they want to make you feel good and they want to be like hey you're all right man don't worry about it blah blah, blah. when like you're perfect like, the way you are you are perfect right. the way you are don't <laughs> don't change a thing if someone doesn't love you for exactly who you are right now then they don't deserve you and you should just never try and get better because exactly where you are right now is perfect and never do anything to improve it's like fucking christ what the fuck is going on right now (laughs) like why should we not aim to be better Mm -hmm. 
I agree. I agree a hundred percent. It's so funny that you brought that up because I was literally talking with a friend about this last night and yeah, it's, it's so true. Like the whole thing of, you know, self-love and all that stuff. I think it's important, but at the same time, like, you know, love yourself the way you are, like the way that you framed it. I mean, I, I have a problem with it and it sounds like you do too. And it's, yeah, I think it's something that, you know, we need a coach in order to tell us and be like, Hey, like, listen, like, you know, you're not perfect. There's shit that you got to work on. You got, you got stuff that you got to fix and you got to be like, okay, like this coach isn't supposed to be my friend, but he's helping me get on track. And I think that's, that's so perfect. And I love that you pointed out that last thing. I think part of so so much of what self love has become on social media is like, just love yourself exactly as you are. You always need to love yourself always. And I'm always like, I think part of legitimately loving yourself is being objective enough and honest enough to know that you are not going perfect. You are not as good as you could be and that you need to call yourself out on your bullshit and say, Hey, you know what? I'm not being the person that I know I could be. I'm not being honest enough. I'm not working hard enough. I'm not doing the right things for my health enough. I need to change stuff so that because I love myself, I'm going to call myself out on my bullshit and I'm going to do what I need to do to be the best person that I can possibly be, that I can possibly be wow, possibly be for myself and for others. And that might mean really calling myself out and being honest with myself and saying, you know what? I'm not doing what I need to do in order to show myself that I actually love myself. Mm-hmm. And I think like that's really what a lot of self-love needs to be. That's the part of self-love that isn't being discussed. And it's a lot of what a lot of people would attack you for being like, oh, if you don't love yourself always, then you are not loving yourself. It's, and it's almost like, it's almost like when you really think about it, the people who are, so against shaming other people are shaming you for your own view of self-love it's like mm-hmm. they're shaming you for how you love yourself it's like what the fuck is going on here <laughs> yeah man oh my gosh I, I i agree and i think it is the most powerful form of self-love when you're able to just be you know like truthful with yourself and honest with yourself and then taking the steps to improve it i think that is the best self-love because i think the other form of self-love is just complacency and and deep down it kind of goes back to that point where you were saying earlier it's like you know if if you really want to change deep down inside but you're not because you love who you are right now like you're always going to have that inner sense of like what the fuck am i doing like oh my gosh like this is not fucking good i need to get out of here and like you lose the credibility with yourself and the whole self-love like equation is just fucked up from there so i think it's if, it's really if cool everybody if everybody loved themselves in the way that a lot of the self-love community tells people to then no relationship would ever work yes because no one would be allowed to push their partner to be better no one would be allowed to say you know what i think you can do better i want you to do better because all of a sudden you're shaming that person when in reality you're trying to help that person live up to the person they could be and one of the most common things you hear in relationships is I'm with this person because they push me to be a better person. Yes. And if that was self-love in society, what if we all were supposed to love ourselves exactly as we are and we're not supposed to be with anybody who didn't push us to be better, then no one would be with anybody and we would all be alone. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent analogy too. And to flip it on the other side too, it's like, when if you look at some relationships that just end up blowing up and not doing well it's because people were so nice to each other but they had these things deep down where they're like i know like you know he or she could be better in this one area of life and they bottle it up and then all of a sudden one day it just kind of explodes and then it ends pretty ugly from there because they're not just being honest with each other and being open about it i think it's an excellent analogy that's exactly Um, right 
Right, right. Oh man, dude, I, I love where this conversation is going. It is so awesome. And I can talk with you literally for hours and hours on end. But unfortunately, we're coming to the tail end of the podcast. And man, this has been an awesome conversation. I'm, I'm really, really just grateful, you know, we had the time to talk. And so I'm sure our listeners are are just as pumped up as I am to, you know, explore more of your world and learn more of what you have to offer. Um, and not just the, the, the fitness and health world, because I think you've got so much knowledge there too, but just practical tips for life that can help you to, you know, be more fulfilled and ultimately, you know, really create someone who you're proud of. So I think you got a lot of stuff out there. So where can our listeners find more about you, your world, um, you know, what you have to offer, anything like that, if they're so interested in doing so? Yeah, man. Well, I want to say thank you for having me on. This is a blast i don't say it lightly I, I do two or three podcasts a day every day and and like this was tremendous and i really appreciate how much time you spent and the effort you put into this so thank you oh, um if people want to find me they, i have my own podcast the jordan site mini podcast its site is s-y-a-t-t uh, you can find me on youtube jordan site instagram site fitness and if you just google my name you'll find a bunch Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, guys, I totally suggest that you dig into this guy's world. I mean, he is totally, ever since I stumbled across his stuff, it's been really, really impactful, not just, you know, my fitness in life, but, but my mentality around things and, you know, keeping that like objective side, um, you know, when my emotions start coming up, I think it's so important. He's got a lot of great stuff out there and I totally encourage you to dig into his world. All right, Jordan, for my last quick question here, what does fulfillment mean to you and what fulfills you in life? what fulfills me in life? Oh man, these are really deep philosophical questions. <laughs> this is, I guess, a deep philosophical podcast. <laughs> All right, just one quick offhanded question. What fulfills you in life? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, just one, one, one small question. No, nothing too big. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's going to sound cliche, uh, but I really think that what, and I think this isn't just me. I really think this is human nature. I think in, in, innately within humans, the people who are not sociopaths uh, it's that what really fulfills us is being able to help other people. Yes. Um, I really, I very much believe that. And, and I think we can see that in terms of people always feel better. Like, like there's research around it. You get people feel better when they do charity work. People feel bit better when they're doing volunteering work. People feel better when they're doing something for others without necessarily getting compensated for it. And even if they are getting compensated for it, at least they're doing something to help others. And you can even see this in workplace environment, workplace happiness research. The, the, the people who are the happiest with their jobs are the people who can see a legitimate effect that their work is having on others. Whereas the people who either oftentimes they'll do spreadsheets or they'll do things as part of a massive great system that they can't see the effect their work is having. And they're statistically unhappier than the workers who can see the effect their work is having. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, it, it, it's my way of answering being like what fulfills me is being able to help other people, whether it's on social media, whether it's on podcasts, whether it's whatever it is, that's what makes me the happiest. And I, I, the reason I preface it with that is to say that, you know, it's not like some, some noble thing. It's not some weird thing. I think this is all innate within us as long as you're not a sociopath. So. Right. No, I, I agree fully, man. I agree fully. I think that's an awesome answer. And yeah, hey, it's cliche. It's cliche because I believe it's true. So, so hey, Jordan, yeah. thank you so much, man, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Art of Fulfillment podcast. I can't tell you how grateful I am that you took the time to listen to this. I know that your time is valuable. I know you're a busy person and I know there's a million podcasts out there. And the fact that you chose this one and listened to the whole thing, oh man, it just makes me feel so good. And I want to say thank you very much. 
as a way to say thank you, I want to make myself available to you if you have any questions on fulfillment, on personal development, on managing stress, any problem or question that you have in your life. You can feel free to ask me uh, at my Instagram page, at Joe Corsione, and I would be more than happy to answer the question for you, provide some advice, and we can just talk about it, and we'll sit down and we'll solve it together, and it'll be so much fun. So you can reach out to me at Joe Corsione on my Instagram page, um, or you can follow us on the Art of Fulfillment official Instagram page, at Art of Fulfillment. And again, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, I want to give you guys a planner that is going to help you plan every single day, every week, every month, and ultimately set the intention that you want to cultivate for the year. So like Jordan said in this podcast, you can stay consistent towards your goals and you can make the decisions that is going to allow you to make your future self proud. How awesome is that? You're going to do that in the planner. That's totally free. You print it out and you can have it for 12 months, every week, every day, however you want to do it. You can find that at www.conqueringstressclass.com. And you can also enroll in the Conquering Stress Masterclass for only 37 bucks, where we'll go into how to develop a long-term, sustainable way to manage the stress in your life so you don't have to be dictated by your emotions like Jordan says in this episode. How awesome is that? Only 37 bucks. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We post episodes every single Wednesday. So we'll see you again here next week. And again, thank you so much for your support. And most importantly, remember to create a fulfilling life for yourself. Take care, everyone.